0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for series talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. For those of you who don't know about or don't remember Cecil the lion, I'd like to share with you the story about Cecil. Cecil was a famous African lion who was well-known and loved in Zimbabwe. Cecil was Africa's most famous and beloved lion. He was the favorite among the locals and the tourists. People would come from all over the world to see him on safaris at the Huang National Park. He was always just hanging around, welcoming anyone who wanted to say hello to him. But he was not only a major tourist attraction in one of Zimbabwe's national parks, and like I said, he was adored by the locals there. In addition, he was being studied and tracked by University of Oxford as part of a long-term study in order to benefit conservation and benefit other animals like Cecil. He was renowned as a gentle giant. Then, One day, this was in July of 2015, a low-life piece of trash, a trophy hunter called Walter Palmer intentionally lured beautiful Cecil from his peaceful existence, from his protected sanctuary, so he could be shot with a bow and arrow. But when Palmer hit Cecil with his arrow, Cecil didn't die. He stumbled off, terribly wounded and bloody and no doubt in pain, and suffered like this for 40 hours until this horrible person, Walter Palmer, finally captured and finished Cecil off with a bullet. Then Palmer skinned Cecil so the skin could be salted and stuffed by a taxidermist, and Palmer cut off Cecil's head so he could mount it as a trophy on his wall. And then he left Cecil's body there to rot. This disgraceful, despicable human being, Dr. Walter Palmer, doctor, they call him doctor, because he's a dentist in Minnesota. He paid over $55,000 to hunt and savagely and brutally take the life of this beautiful, majestic, beloved star attraction lion, Cecil. Now, if you know me or listen to my shows, you know I adamantly oppose hunting. I believe in the right to bear arms. I have absolutely no problem with owning a gun or guns for the purpose of protecting yourself, your loved ones, and your property, but to me, There's absolutely no justification for someone who chooses to kill animals for sport, for the fun of it. In fact, in spite of what hunters say to justify their actions, like, we're getting in touch with nature. Oh, you're getting in touch with nature. Isn't that nice? Or they say, we need to hunt because we're thinning the herd. Oh, yeah. The herd needs thinning because last year it was estimated that there were only 20,000 wild lions left in the world. Lions have become extinct in 26 African countries. Lions have vanished from over 95% of their historic range. And with only 20,000 wild lions left, yeah, the herd needs thinning. Or they justify hunting by saying, hunting is part of our culture. We're spending time with our kids. You know, because... Teaching your kids to have fun by causing animals to suffer and violently killing animals is so much better than teaching children how to be kind to animals and the importance of extending compassion and respect to other living beings. Isn't that like one of the most important and valuable life lessons we want to teach our kids? And the values parents want to instill in their kids and humane education is for a whole another topic, okay? But just let me emphasize this one point here. Humane education can play such an important role in creating an empathetic and compassionate person, child. It just seems to be morally repugnant to want to teach your kids how to hunt and kill animals. So, In spite of what hunters say to justify their actions or to placate those of us who are absolutely disgusted by the hunters, most hunters hunt for the thrill of the kill and the self-serving, ego-boosting, exploitation of beautiful living creatures. And in my opinion, there's some psychopathology going on here for someone to get enjoyment And thrill out of killing an innocent animal. I mean, that's the thing. These people do enjoy it. They enjoy watching and knowing they're causing this needless suffering onto their victims, and they don't care. They like it. It's like that movie where the serial killer gets off on watching their victims suffer and die. You know that movie. I mean, from a psychological standpoint, I'm not a psychologist, but there's something wrong with a person who gets kicks out of inflicting pain onto innocent creatures and killing them. And by the way, most serial killers start their killing careers off by abusing and killing animals. Look up what Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy or the Boston Strangler, all the infamous serial killers. You can read about the unimaginable, horrible things they did to animals, including people's pets. And just think about this. What are some of the characteristics of a psychopath? Pathologic egocentricity? Selfishness, lack of empathy, inability to deeply feel emotion or shame or guilt, violence, fail to accept responsibility, which brings me back to Dr. Walter Palmer. So after the fun he had with Cecil the Lion, this jackass tried to destroy the tracking collar that was on Cecil. But the researchers at Oxford, who were tracking Cecil, traced the signal and found the carcass anyway. And putting ethics aside here for a minute, okay, did Palmer do anything wrong? Did he do anything unlawful? Or is he just your run-of-the-mill sport hunter? Well, yeah. He broke two laws. One deliberately luring an animal from the protected park to kill it, and two, removing the lion's identifying collar, which served to protect Cecil from being hunted in the first place. If you remember this story, you remember the story just exploded on the Internet and on social media and on cable news. I mean, everyone's posting about it. Everyone's talking about it. In front of Dr. Palmer's dental office, People placed stuffed animals, lions and bears, and pictures of Cecil were displayed. And you can see signs on the front door of the office stating, Rot in Hell and the Butcher of Bloomington, referring to the dentist, of course. And if this is indeed the first time you're learning about the story of Cecil, do me a favor. Google search Cecil the line and look at this beautiful animal whose life was brutally taken away from him just get an image of cecil in your mind it'll take you 30 seconds to see what cecil looked like and who he was and to honor him so why was this specific hunting incident getting so much attention why was the killing of cecil more heinous than the killing of any other lion one would hunt even a lot of people are disgusted by all sport hunting and I would guess and I would hope a lot of us are disgusted or saddened even just seeing a picture or post on social media of a hunted down animal next to his killer. But in this case, so many people, not just animal activists, were outraged by the story. And probably because this was an illegal hunt and because Cecil was so well known and so loved by the locals. And this vile person ended this poor animal's life and in such a terrible way. And the suffering that Cecil had to endure for those 40 hours after being wounded with an arrow. So this story was huge. And the dentist, oh, by the way, his website at the River Bluff Dental Clinic in Minnesota, part of the description of his dental office, I guess you call it like a tagline. It reads, Dr. Palmer, strives to create dazzling smiles. I thought that was funny. But I'll tell you, he became a one hated guy, big time. And Cecil's death was mourned by thousands on social media. And like I said, this incident sparked protests across the world, so much so that Cecil's head and skin were passed to the authorities in Zimbabwe in an effort to diffuse international anger. And Palmer was hiding out and laying low for a bit. He closed his dental office. He emailed a statement to the news trying to defend his actions that he didn't know the line was a local favorite and he didn't know that the line was collared and part of a study. He went on to say that he, quote, hired several professional guides and they secured all proper permits. So essentially, he's saying he didn't know he was doing anything illegal. He's so full of it, isn't he? I mean, there's no way one can believe that Palmer had no idea who Cecil was and that Cecil was protected. Reportedly, Palmer lured Cecil out of the park with an elephant carcass, and he tried to destroy Cecil's tracking collar. So he knew exactly who Cecil was and what he was doing. According to the New York Daily News, prior to Cecil, Palmer, quote, has proudly killed at least 43 animals over the years with his bow and arrow, including a polar bear, walrus, wolf, California bighorn sheep, and a rhinoceros. This is a cold, vile, heartless, disgusting person who pays a fortune to hire people to help him lure an innocent animal out of his protected sanctuary to his death an animal who was so adored by everyone, who the university was tracking so the information can help other lions, like Cecil. We'll be right
1: back
2: most people know that chocolate is dangerous for dogs and cats to eat but did you know that coffee and tea are dangerous for pets too there are many foods you should not let your pets eat onion garlic yeast dough and even avocado grapes and raisins are especially toxic to dogs too Even certain plants and flowers can be toxic or deadly to pets. Cats should not be allowed to eat lilies, daffodils, tulips, or sago palm. And make sure your dogs don't eat azalea, lilies, or sago either. Another danger area, especially with dogs, is eating medicine meant for people. So make sure pills are out of your pet's reach and in safe containers. And of course, leftover bones can crack and cause choking. So don't give bones to dogs. Remember these pet safety tips to keep your pets healthy and happy all year round. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org.
0: Today, we are honoring Cecil the Lion, Africa's most famous and beloved lion, killed by an American dentist called Walter Palmer, who lured Cecil from his peaceful existence, from his protected sanctuary, so he could be shot with a bow and arrow. Cecil badly wounded suffered for 40 hours before his life was ended. Palmer not only lured Cecil out of his protected park, but he also removed Cecil's tracking collar. You see, Cecil was being studied and tracked by University of Oxford in order to benefit conservation and benefit other animals like Cecil. In terms of consequences, Walter Palmer faced no legal repercussions for killing Cecil the lion. Initially, the government of Zimbabwe said it would prosecute both Palmer and the professional guide who took him on the lion hunt. But the government of Zimbabwe never filed the extradition paperwork required to bring Palmer back to Zimbabwe and face charges, and ultimately said the documentation for the hunt was proper. Specifically, why didn't Zimbabwe follow through on the charges? According to BBC News, a court in Zimbabwe had thrown out charges against him because the charges were too vague to enable him to mount a proper defense. I don't know what that means. My guess is... Had Zimbabwe charged Palmer, that would dissuade future hunters from going there to hunt in fear that they might be charged with something. And Zimbabwe depends on money from these trophy hunters. Remember, reportedly Palmer paid $50,000 for this hunt. So what happened to the good dentist? We haven't heard or read about him in a while. How could that be? Someone like him can't go on without the thrill of killing innocent animals, right? Oh, look what I found here. Back in July of 2020, one headline reads, Cecil the Lion's killer is back on the hunting scene, poaching endangered Mongolian sheep. Another one reads, Dentist Walter Palmer, who killed Cecil the Lion, is spotted hunting sheep in Mongolia five years after he slaughtered the famous predator with a bow in Zimbabwe. Oh, this is good. Listen to this. This is from the steeple times monster of the moment, reprehensible driller, killer, dentist, Walter Palmer will forever be remembered for slain. Cecil, the lion, the sexual harasser of his own employees has now gone and done it again. This time the monster massacred an endangered Ram. Yes, the American dentist is at it again. He just couldn't resist. He couldn't stand it anymore. He couldn't stand depriving himself any longer, so he returned to his favorite hobby of torturing and killing animals. Five years after he brutally slaughtered the famous Cecil the Lion, he pays $100,000 to hunt down and kill the world's biggest ram, called the Argali, endangered Argali, only 19,000 left in the world. These animals are considered a national treasure palmer doesn't care about that remember individuals like him are egocentric they lack empathy they have no shame they feel no guilt an image appeared on social media with him and his killing buddy showing off the endangered ram he just killed in mongolia the dentist used a crossbow the same method he killed cecil with dr teresa talecki wildlife vice president at humane society international told the daily mirror For trophy hunters to travel to Mongolia to kill a beautiful and endangered ram is an absolute outrage. The Argoli ram is a species in danger of extinction, so the idea that these animals can be killed for pleasure is abhorrent. The killing of Cecil the lion five years ago caused international shock, but clearly the killing for kicks continues. It's time for the law to stop wildlife killers in their tracks by banning trophy hunting. This is from the New York Post. At the time of Cecil's death, Walter took a back seat, an insider told the mirror. But he's been hunting ever since he was a boy. It was a way of life to him. Walter had undertaken several hunts since Cecil's death. That's an interesting way to say it, since Cecil's death, instead of since he killed Cecil. The trip to Mongolia was his idea. The ram was on his list of hunts he wanted to complete. Would you want this guy taking care of your teeth? I wouldn't want this guy's disgusting fingers in my mouth. Listen to this. This is so good. I'm not going to get into the whole Yelp review controversy surrounding the Walter Palmer story, but this much you should know. After the Cecil story broke, Dr. Walter Palmer disconnects his phone line and takes down his Minnesota dental office's Facebook page. So what do hundreds of thousands of people around the world who are outraged by what he did, do. What do they do? They posted reviews on Palmer's dental practice Yelp page. So within like a day, there were more than 6,400 negative reviews that inundated the page, giving them a one-star rating. And then what happens? A day or two later, Yelp removes most of the reviews. And then the Yelp reviewers become furious at Yelp for removing their posts and shutting them down. This is from International Business Times. Furious at the sudden disappearance, Yelp reviewers are signing an online petition calling on Yelp to stop stifling their speech. It reads, Yelp's autocratic censorship of this historic, unprecedented outpouring of participation in public debate silenced and disempowered their loyal contributors and deceptively erase the debate from public view, apparently to protect River Bluff Dental and its criminal dentist, Walter Palmer. Initially, Yelp doesn't respond, but later they make a statement saying the reviews posted to Palmer's profiles violates its terms of service and will be removed. Quote, media-fueled reviews typically violate our content guidelines. That's from Yelp. But the great thing here was that as soon as Yelp removed the reviews, dozens more would suddenly appear. And the cycle kept occurring. Yelp would remove the reviews and people would just keep posting bad reviews on Yelp. And I'm pretty sure Yelp continues to remove reviews even to this day. I I mean, you look on Yelp on his page and there's only like 18 or 20 reviews. And since we have about one minute left before the break, let me read a few of these reviews that are at least up there as of today. Dirty tools and rude staff. Worst dentist experience ever. Dr. Palmer was rude and did a sloppy job cleaning my teeth. I was visiting my sister and needed work done on a tooth. The place is a mess for a medical office. I was shocked at the lack of empathy and bedside manner by this dentist. He was rough. I ended up getting an infection in my tooth and my dentist had to fix it. Do not go here. In town on business and tooth started hurting. Went there big mistake. Office setting was drab and dirty. Staff did not seem to care. Dr. Palmer was equally inattentive. Unfortunately, emergencies come up and you're forced to go to horrible places like this. Come in for a drop-in session from New York because my tooth was killing me. Had no choice. He was the nearest one. The office was indeed a mess. Visible dirt. Seems like they didn't care. Wow. Office is disgusting. My cousin came out in extreme pain from a simple cleaning. Palmer was cold and somewhat rude. He's clearly not in this business with any desire to help people. If Yelp had zero stars, I would have chosen that because this place is so dirty. I wonder if they clean the floors. There was no air conditioning. I should have just got up and left. Like there was dust everywhere, even on the tools. It was disgusting. Okay. Ready? One more. This is my favorite one. Rude staff, messy lobby, kids screaming from the back somewhere. Very unpleasant experience. I'd rather have my husband pull out my teeth with pliers than go there again. Yes. Welcome back to the show. February is National Pet Dental Health Month. So let's talk about that. Brushing your dog's teeth is a little like the way people view flossing their own teeth. You know, it's important, but you never really do it often enough. Maybe you're more disciplined than I used to be about brushing your dog's teeth. But when you had to watch your dog go through painful dental extractions, not to mention the sting of pain for those extractions, it's easier to get motivated and sustain a good oral hygiene regimen, however tedious it may be. Josie was a wonderful, sweet dog. The second dog Peter and I had together. I first spotted Josie during one of my morning runs, way back in the early days of our marriage when my knees were happy to run 5 to 7 miles at a time. And so as I was running past a public golf course in my area, I spotted her sitting by the maintenance area. It was easy to tell that she didn't really belong there and automatically I diverted my run toward her and struck up a conversation with one of the employees. I learned that this dog, who might have had some collie and shepherd in her, but looked mostly like a tamed wolf, had been hanging around the golf course for a few days and was being fed scraps of food by the workers. No one knew where she came from and no one seemed to care much what would become of her. So our meeting was fortuitous, to say the least. I ran home, got in my car, drove back to the golf course and with not much difficulty was able to coax this scraggly, long-haired, dirty dog into my car. Of course, there was no collar and we learned later there was no microchip either, but now she was my responsibility and by extension, Peter's. But I have to tell you, even as I was driving her home, I had a feeling that Josie might become our newest family member. That's how precious she seemed to me at the moment. She knew she could trust me. We had her evaluated the next day after spending the night quietly quarantined in our extra bedroom. Our family vet found that she had two previously broken legs and an injured snout. It was so heartbreaking and infuriating to realize that this gentle being had been so badly abused. But there was more. The vet also determined that she had multiple abscessed teeth and suggested we see a dentist, which we did a few days later. By that time, Josie had indeed become part of our family. After a good grooming, she was stately and a real beauty. Paco, our Doberman Shepherd mix at the time, accepted her at once, as did Peter, who was starting to realize what it's going to be like being married to a dog and cat rescuer. And this all occurred early in our marriage in its first year. Fortunately, Peter has stuck around for many subsequent animal adventures. But back to the dentist, who regrettably confirmed that many of Josie's teeth needed to come out. The procedure occurred shortly thereafter, leaving her with only about half of her teeth remaining and a sore post-operative course. But she seemed to quickly heal up, and as far as we could tell, she never really missed her teeth. Josie lived six more years with us, well into her teens. We were so grateful to have her be part of our family for so long, and what a wonderful chance to save this dog from who knows what. But... Thinking back about how she must have suffered with her mouth filled with abscesses still saddens us. And even to this day, it somehow motivates us to keep up with the oral hygiene with whatever dogs we have in our family. So most authorities recommend daily brushing. And I'm not going to restate too much of what is readily available to anyone who does a little research. But daily brushing is the main thing you can do to promote good dental hygiene. Now, concentrate on brushing the outside and the chewing surfaces and don't really worry much about the inside surfaces as the tongue keeps those clean. And if your dog is new to this, start gently and don't try to get it all done the first time around. And you might want to start with your finger, like just put a little peanut butter or cream cheese on your finger and gently massage the teeth and gums of your dog. Make sure to use dog toothpaste. Now this is very important. Do not use regular human toothpaste for your dog. Most human toothpaste include fluoride, which is extremely poisonous to dogs. And in addition, a lot of toothpaste contain the sweetener xylitol, which is also poisonous for your dog if ingested. You can find toothpaste formulated for dogs at Petco or PetSmart and just keep up with it. Make it part of your routine. A little treat afterwards is certainly helpful. Our dogs simply like the chicken or peanut butter toothpaste we've been using, and that seems to be reward enough to keep them coming back the next time around. Our latest pit rescue, Skye, is not too fond of the process yet, but she's... Coming along, one trick Peter discovered as we were introducing her to brushing would be to wait until we came back from a long walk or after a tiring session of ball fetching. Skye's much more inclined to sit still for the procedure while recovering or, or resting after a decent amount of exercise. And of course, as you know, early intervention for your dog, should he or she show any signs of mouth problems or disease, is really important for so many reasons. And things you would look for might include yellow or brown tartar that forms a crust along the gum line, teeth that appear to be misaligned, missing teeth or chipped teeth or loose teeth, your dog stops eating or stops chewing on favorite toys, bleeding gums or red inflamed gums any unusual appearance to the mouth such as growths or bumps compulsive nose licking or excessive drooling and finally if your dog develops bad breath now a lot of people think it's normal for dogs to have bad breath not true I mean, it might not smell like a bed of roses, but a foul smell coming from your dog's mouth might signify serious health risk with the potential to damage not only your pet's teeth and gums, but its internal organs as well. So if any of these problems are observed, a trip to the vet is definitely warranted. When it comes to keeping our dogs healthy, many owners overlook the importance of oral hygiene. According to the American Veterinary Dental Society, 80% of dogs will develop some form of oral disease by the age of three. 80% of dogs will develop some form of oral disease by the age of three. Keeping on top of your pet's dental health has lasting positive effects. Some studies suggest that maintaining oral health can add up to five years to your pet's life. So February is National Pet Dental Health Month, so now is the perfect time to call your veterinarian and schedule a dental checkup for your furry family members and try to begin the routine of brushing your dog's teeth two to three times per week. Don't go away. More great stuff right here on Animals Today. You're listening to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, host of the show. Join us each week as we explore animal welfare and animal rights issues, as well as fun pet topics with fascinating guests and experts. And if you don't catch the show live on your local radio station, you can listen two other ways by going to the Animals Today website, that's animalstodayradio.com, or as a podcast on iTunes. It's so easy to subscribe on iTunes, and when you do, each week, usually on Sunday, a fresh show will download right onto your device. I'm Dr. Lori Kirstar and thanks for listening. Today's Animals Today Minute is about the invasive species of the Everglades. The Everglades of southern Florida has been extensively and rapidly transformed by non-native invasive plant and animal species. Dozens of invasive plants thrive in the Everglades, being introduced both inadvertently and deliberately, and often as byproducts of the pet trade and horticultural industries. The scores of invasive animal species include mammals, amphibians, reptiles, and birds, with the Burmese python being the most notorious example. Invasive animals are introduced as escaped or released pets, as stowaways in cargo ships, and as home aquarium releases. The current infestation of giant African snails was due to specimens intended for use in religious rituals. In addition to the Burmese python, the Everglades Cooperative Invasive Species Management Area has identified 11 other invasive species that the public should be aware of, which it refers to as the Dirty Dozen. On the list are Tegu lizards, the Nile monitor, the Cuban tree frog, chameleons, the giant African snail, the bullseye snakehead, that's a fish, the lionfish, and four plants, the Australian pine, the Old World climbing fern, the Brazilian pepper tree, and the air potato. In the Everglades, the Burmese python has no natural predators, except for crocodiles and humans, and thus is thriving. In the glades, their average size is 8 to 10 feet in length, but examples of 17 feet have been found. They mostly prey upon small mammals, including the endangered Key Largo wood rat, birds, and reptiles. They have decimated the populations of raccoons, opossums, and bobcats, and have killed off the rabbit and fox populations. As you can see, their harmful effect on the ecosystem has been huge. These semi-aquatic constrictors are also good climbers, and often inhabit trees. Fortunately, they rarely attack humans. For animal advocates, what to do about this invasive species and others worldwide presents few good options. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission encourages individuals and contractors to seek out and kill these snakes. They offer cash rewards, t-shirt prizes, and raffle entries for documented kills. The agency also offers training on some of the methods of their safe removal and humane euthanasia, including live training courses, an internet-based course, and an educational video on capturing python safely. But a humane relocation is not in the cards for these unfortunate predators. And that's your Animals Today Minute for today. Welcome back to Animals Today. Peter, are you ready for the lightning round quiz? Here we go. How many legs does a spider have? Oh, eight. Correct. Which bird can fly backward? The hummingbird. Yes. An echidna is what type of animal?
1: We've talked about these. um, Yes, uh, we have. A cute little rodent. Anteater. Oh, that's close.
0: I think that was on your last lightning round quiz. They're very traumatic for me. It
1: impairs my memory.
0: What was the name of the rescued pet greyhound of the Simpson family?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: It's one of your favorite shows. You don't know?
1: I did love the Simpson.
0: Santa's Little Helper.
1: That's the name of the dog.
0: Listeners who like Simpson family are very disappointed with you, Peter. A specific kind of animal usually lives in a holt. What kind of animal is this? Turtle. Otter. A holt is like a den. What is the most recognizable physical feature of the male lion? The main. It's main, correct. A blue anthropomorphic dog that speaks with a southern drawl.
1: He is. <laughs> I can't remember. Huckleberry Hound. Oh yeah, Huckleberry Hound. Okay. What are baby goats called?
0: Um, kids. Kids is correct. Helminthology is the study of, of. what? Little parasites? Worms. Worms. Clothes. Which mammal has the highest blood wait, pressure? Wait,
1: wait, worms, paras, worms, parasites. Okay. Some, <laughs> some
0: overlap there. I want to encourage you. Which <laughs> mammal has the highest blood pressure in the world? The giraffe. Giraffe is correct. The word vibrici might refer to the blank of a cat the whiskers correct yeah. true or false snakes have slimy skin oh no, no no false snake skin is smooth and dry who's the fastest mouse in all Mexico
1: <laughs> really <laughs> like a cartoon Speedy Gonzales yeah well what
0: Speedy. other mouse do you know <laughs> Speedy Gonzales Speedy Gonzales is correct you remember him he wears an oversized yellow sombrero a white shirt and trousers and a red kerchief around his neck yeah. has a thick accent did you watch that as a kid
1: a little bit awful. did you enjoy it Uh, No recollection.
0: Did you find it racist, (laughs) offensive, insulting? You know, Speedy Gonzalez was born in the early 1950s. And after 40 years of being on the air, guess what? In 1999, it was taken off the air by the Cartoon Network for perpetuating stereotypes about Mexicans, and some say the network's owner, Ted Turner, ordered it to be taken off the air, and network officials claim they found this character derogatory and offensive, and on top of that, the character drank and smoked excessively. Yeah. Turner
1: drank and... In... Okay. What
0: name is given to an adult female sheep? A U? Yes. How do you spell okay. U?
1: E-W-E.
0: Yep. A formicarium is a living place for what kind of insect? Mm. Formicarium. Okay.
1: A worm. Ant. Oh, yeah.
0: An anthropomorphic cat who uses trickery and deceit to gain power.
1: Oh, I think you laid this
0: on me before. Puss in boots? Puss in boots is right. That's sexist. What is Canada's national
1: animal? The, uh, oh. I'm going to say it is the Canada bear beaver. Okay, beaver it is. And oh yeah, the beaver appears on some of their coinage, right?
0: That's correct. What was the name of the dog in a cartoon who was a crime fighter like Superman?
1: Oh, Superdog,
0: Underdog. Underdog and he <laughs> lived under the radar is doing what kind of work?
1: Well, he was uh vigilante, I don't know, he was You uh... Shine Boy. Oh, oh, that's what you mean, like his uh Regular job. That's right. <laughs> Do you she remember watching her. that as a kid? Yeah, I guess I wasn't paying enough. I was just a zombie in front of that television. I yes, guess you I've, I should were. have paid more attention, actually. He
0: speaks only in rhymes. Remember, underdogs <laughs> speaks in rhymes. What's a famous rhyme
1: he would state? Uh, here I come to... No, that's the wrong one. It's the <laughs> Mighty Mouse. Um, underdog... I don't know. There's no need to fear. Oh, Underdog is here. Right. Right. Oh, just like Billy Joel. That's right. Just like Billy Joel oh, speaks in rhymes. Maybe Billy Joel watched Underdog when he was composing his first <laughs> songs. So, oh, which
0: common pet has the Latin name Caracius oratus? Oh. Uh, I'll give you multiple choice here. Please. A snail. A spider. Or a goldfish.
1: I'll say goldfish.
0: Goldfish is correct. I think oratus in Latin means gold-plated. The name of the cat that would chase the yellow bird named Tweety. Sylvester? Yep. Sericata sericata, a species of mongoose, is
1: commonly called what in English? Oh, don't know that one for sure. Meerkat. Oh, that meerkat is a kind of mongoose. That's yeah. interesting. I never knew that. Yeah,
0: they're very cute, aren't they? They're like a size of a squirrel. You often see pictures of them together standing up tall on Look two legs, monitoring for danger near their den, right? Yeah. A female turkey is called a hen. A male turkey is called what?
1: A uh, male turkey, a uh, gobble something?
0: Yeah, gobbler or Tom. Tom. In the Tom and Jerry cartoon, Jerry was what kind of animal?
1: Tom and Jerry, a uh, cat Cherry T- was the mouse. Cherry was the mouse. Oh,
0: my goodness. Yeah. Oh. What is the fastest bird in the world?
1: The uh, peregrine falcon. Correct. Oh, yeah. Pythons Python. are
0: poisonous. True or false? They are not. Pythons are not poisonous. They do not possess venom. They just simply squeeze you to death. Yep. That's good. What is the name of Tarzan's
1: chimpanzee? Oh, Tarzan's... Oh. Oh, tar- Tarzan's chimpanzee. Uh, cheetah. Yeah, yeah. How many teats does a cow have? Cow. I'm going to say uh, six. Four. Okay. Have you ever milked a cow? Nope. nope. Oh, maybe. We visited uh, Amish Dutch country when I was a little kid. We drove out to Pennsylvania. There's some pictures of me. I was very frightened on a pony. So it's possible I might have done it.
0: And you just didn't count how many teats a cow had? <laughs> I didn't count. Okay. What animal is a Mexican
1: hairless? A uh, dog.
0: Yes. Okay. Now, see, that's racist in our politically correct world. Why? If you have this kind
1: of dog and s- I'm joking,
0: okay. if you have this kind of dog and someone asks you, though, yeah. what kind of dog do you have? What do you say?
1: You say uh, he is um, just got from the got out of the barber. I don't know.
0: Okay. I don't know what you- OK, well, I'll tell you what you say. Another name for Mexican hairless dog is called Zoloitz X-O-L-O-I-T-Z-C-U-I-N-T-L-I. Hmm. Okay. But yes, just say Mexican hairless. Which insect transmits bubonic plague?
1: The uh, uh, flea.
0: Flea is correct. Bubonic plague is mainly spread by infected fleas from small animals. What was the name of Fred and Wilma Flintstone's pet dinosaur? Do
1: Dino. you know? Yeah. No, I paid attention during Flintstones. That was worth my attention. The largest bird of prey in the world is? Is the bird of prey, some kind of... A, bird, a, bird, a hawk or a vulture no condor oh, condor
0: what kind of animal starred in the animated movie ratatouille
1: uh, a rat yes remember we watched that movie together what was the rat's name the rat's name was oh uh, pierre remy oh yeah remy, remy. a pinniped is what yeah. type of animal is like a seal yep. or seal-like? seal seal oh. which is the fastest two-legged
0: animal in the world Two ostriches. Yes, a ladybug has how many legs? Has uh, one, two, three, six. Six is correct. An ungulate animal has what? Hooves. Yep. Sockeye is what type of fish? A salmon. Yep. T- salmon. And what's another name for a wriggle?
1: <laughs> why are you a, a laughing w- waggle you're just making things up again waggle snaggle <laughs> I'm not
0: making it up
1: okay a dingo is oh, another dingo. name for a oh, Okay, the wild dog of uh, Australia
0: yeah what kind of animal was a famous TV cartoon character named Alvin
1: Alvin was a one of the chipmunks you got it yeah.
0: okay once again you did pretty good on your cartoon animals but not so good on real life animals
1: I know What that means something That's pretty. it does sad. mean something I know
0: And thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.